0: Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Friday show, the show that discovered last night that winning your group in Europe is not for everyone. Uh, We're looking back and forwards, as always, and chatting to a Fulham fan too ahead of the weekend game uh, to discuss all this in another absolutely packed show. Delighted to be joined by two big hitters, it's Asan and Chris. Good morning, Asan, how are you doing?
1: Morning, Howard. Um, Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Feeling fresh, been for a run, um, ready to do this. Ready for
0: Friday? and ready for the weekend. Yeah, can't say I'm feeling fresh, but it is Friday. Uh, one of the best days of the week. <laughs> yeah, I was out with the main road ramble lot last night. So, it was oh, nice. excellent! How did that go? Uh, well, the key thing is that I took them to the right Indian restaurant. So I went to East is East, and they absolutely loved it. So, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> A lot of pressure on me to get them to the right place. No, it's great. It's weird because I've not met them, but I, if, you know. You feel like you know people in the city community. Well, you do know them, mm. and you can literally walk in, shake their hands, and just chat as if you already do. So, yeah, it's really nice to see them. So, uh, they're going
1: all corporate on Saturday anyway, so <laughs> it should be good for them. So, fancy? Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think bro- I'm going. I think I'm going corporate for Brentford or corporate <sighs> something like
0: that. You've changed. I'm going <laughs> yeah. as a guest of cities. I think. <laughs> Are you really? What in a box or just the
1: the lounge bit? Or? Um, I, I don't know. We've we've uh, a, a player in the first team squad has sorted our tickets out, so I don't know where those tickets actually will be. Hmm. Well, enjoy.
0: I've done corporate two or three times, but I wouldn't want to do it for like a really big match. But you yeah, know, it's no, nice. it's nice to see how the other. <laughs> see how the other half roll. And so, well, I see you do it well. Well, the first time I went I went with Steve, actually, he had the, uh, I think it was a European match. He, and we did, we're so like, we don't know what's involved. said, Did he give us food? I'm not sure. So I said, Well, I'll have, I'll have my tea before I go. And of course, it was like a four course meal when I got there. And it's like, Oh, well, I guess I better eat this as well. So <laughs> couldn't move afterwards. But they do it's do plenty. it really well. So
2: uh,
0: yeah, it's good. Ah, Chris, good morning.
2: Good morning. Ace, hey, you don't fool me, mate. I know you're a mascot, aren't you? That's what you do. You're going <laughs> a, You're going to. As... <laughs> ah, you rumble me yeah.
0: When he walks out to the pitch, <laughs> and Bernardo yeah. Silva's holding his hand. <laughs> God,
2: is that Ace, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's crying. Oh, bless him. He looks great in shorts, though. Look at him. Oh, he's holding a
1: pendant. Do look great in a pair of shorts.
2: Yeah, yeah no, it's... I'm good. I'm I'm good, yeah. I'm running as well today. I tell you what, it feels like winter's kind of creeping here, isn't it, now? It's a Absolutely. lot colder this week. It's really crapped up, but yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to the game. Well, actually, I can't attend the game tomorrow because uh, I'm refereeing a big... Cup. Well, I'll say a big cup, but a, a biggest cup game, but I'm there I'm there for the Brentford game, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, yeah, it's been a busy week, but weekend's always good. Well,
0: nice segue there. Before we discuss City, uh, <laughs> I'd like to take the opportunities you're on, Chris, Uh mm-hmm. I don't think you have to open your bullying diary today.
2: Uh, (laughs) I've I've got it open ready. Ready, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You
0: dipped your fountain pen into the. uh, Oh, it's all ready
2: to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, There
0: was a topic we ran out of time to talk about last week, and I still think it is definitely worth five ten minutes to talk about. And that is the yeah. Before we talk about City, and there's loads to talk about there. Can't wait to get back to some Rico Lewis chat. Uh, Which I think will be most of our (laughs) discussion for uh, looking back on the week. I want to take the opportunity to discuss the refereeing situation in the UK, uh, which you'll be more aware of than most. Most Mm -hmm. notably at the lower levels, there's been a lot of, you know, quite a few news items recently of a drain of referees due to the abuse they're getting at a lower level. And of course, Mm -hmm. this came into focus a lot more. After Jurgen Klopp was given a red card for screaming in uh, a match official's face in the Liverpool City match, just how dire is the situation? At, you know, throughout the the, you know, the pyramid, basically at the moment. What do we have to do to fix this?
2: So it is pretty dire. Um, The, the appoint, the, the appointment administrators every single week are at kind of grass levels, but a certain part of the pyramid, um, are always reaching out for more officials. Um, there's, there's incentives from the FAs to get young, um, uh, people through the, the qualification process which is which is a pretty elementary process it's, it's not difficult at all you'll you learn to be a referee by actually refereeing games um but but yeah there's a chronic shortage of referees and and the fa to be fair to them are trying to remedy that as as quickly as possible where for me where where the huge gap is and i think what i think it, 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 the, the size of the problem and the significance of the problem isn't really being addressed. Well, it is in some respects, but I think by the wider football fraternity is in, is that culturally referees sit at the very bottom of the strata in terms of respect with it, within football. Mm. Um, and, 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 uh, uh, and what i find interesting is i i've had an i've had an increasing amount of success over the last season when i insist from players and managers and spectators that their behaviour or attitude or words to me are unacceptable. They wouldn't do it in the street, so they shouldn't do it now. And I'm actually having an increased amount of success of, of positive responses to that, taking this thing out of the situation immediately and people, re- people reacting in a reasonable way. So that's quite reassuring. However, you also get adverse re- re- responses to that. Um, and I think it's really important for me to say this. Bef- b- before I was a referee, I was also guilty of this cultural bias that I'm talking about now. My attitude to referees was similar to a lot of the people that I criticised for having a similar attitude. And it was only when I took up the role did I realise that there's something very, very malignant at the heart of football when it comes to um, uh, officiating. It's very important to, 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 to state this. In no other sport in the world, in my opinion, is so much at stake based upon what the referee decides and how they administer the laws, how they apply the laws in the game. And but likewise, in no other sport are, is, is the referee so disrespected, so undermined and, and so reduced in terms of their importance. And that contradiction is is a really troubling aspect. So um, It's ingrained I, in fandom,
0: it? In football, it's of course.
2: Yeah. In it's ingrained in all of us. And we have to admit, it's, it's all. It's of not us.
0: ingrained of us to do it as a player, though. Uh, you know, on a Sunday, it being your face, but it is ingrained of us to be angry as fans, is it not? And that is just what you know, and that will transmit itself to match officials.
2: It's. I think it is ingrained, Howard. I think a player at no point during a game stops to consider. Actually, I shouldn't really speak to another person on the field like this. This is completely unacceptable because they've grown up with that culture. And when I remind them of that, they quickly adjust their behaviour, and and players will police each other to say, "Don't don't answer back to him, don't you know?" And I'm 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 not you know I'm not like a little fascist with a whistle. I'm very fair and reasonable because my key objective is to protect the players' welfare on the pitch. But 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 it's it's it, it, we're fighting against like a, a, a strong culture that's been entrenched for decades, absolute decades, um. And and what, what you're going to get to a point where referees will just walk. I'm talking about non-professional referees will just walk away and say this is too. It's not worth it. And young referees will just will will, will experience things that will traumatise them. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm of an age and I've experienced managing people. I know how to handle people in in, in a stressful, intense situation. The 18-year-old me would not have been able to do that, but I, but I would have been faced with the same environment and the same intensity. So it's, it's, it's deeply problematic, um, and, and, and I just and, and, and it's taken decades for it to become embedded within the culture. And I think it, will, it won't take as long, but, it, it, but, but it, it will take a long time for it to unpick. But there are certain fundamental things which could happen which are not happening, and, and they're not happening at the top of the tier as well. And that's where people get their most influence from.
0: Well, Aysan, I'll ask you that. We as fans often, we can hold the opinion, and let's just, you know, for argument's sake, hold this opinion, that refereeing is not, Yeah, you know, we don't think the standard's that good. But we can hold that opinion and also have respect for them and understand that there's a way that you to talk to another individual. Does the way we deal with match officials have to change? Does it come, does it really have to start with the likes of you can club managers and players on the pitch.
1: Um, I mean, it's it's difficult because I don't believe that like supporters have a responsibility to do anything. I think that you know part of the kind of gladiatorial nature of going to watch um, professional sport as an entertainment lends itself to you go there for a kind of emotional release however you want to say it and part and parcel of that is yelling at the players and yelling at the referee so personally i don't think that this is a a a spectator thing on the flip side i think from a player and a professional sport point of view i find it quite staggering that um there hasn't been a kind of um a moment you feel as though there needs to be a moment something needs to happen which makes the entire sport go actually you know what we're just not going to tolerate this anymore and what i mean by that is these things are very straightforward um if 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 i excuse my language for what i'm going to say next but if i'm on the pitch and the referee calls a foul and i'm like fuck you you fucking moron right that's the beginning so it it's uh, from there it's such a slippery slope to where we've landed and where we've ended up and i think that that stuff needs to be nipped in the bud i think that fundamentally i think that the the key thing here is that there needs to be a kind of uh, a reckoning uh, in terms of the rules and officiating where referees should be allowed that there, there should be a, a, a some type of agreement or like the PGMOL, they need to go into the clubs and say, look, if you swear at a referee, that's a red card. End of conversation. End of conversation. Doesn't matter if the game finishes eight on eight, because they'll learn quickly. They'll learn very, very quickly. Because it's one thing to 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 challenge a decision. It's one thing to disagree with a decision that's been made. But I I see it all the time in Premier League games where you're watching and you see exactly what the player says and you're just like, how has he not been booked for that? How has there not been any consequence? If I said that on a street, in a bar, in any other situation, I get knocked out immediately. You can't talk to human beings like that. And so for me, when it comes to the sport professionally, that's what needs to be dealt with. On the pitch... The players need to be told, you just can't talk to officials like that. And if you do, the consequences will be absolutely dire because I, that's the only way yeah. to clean the sport up. I,
2: but it's but i really
1: cool for
0: saying it, Chris, sorry, but I would suggest trialled uh, sin bins because I think part of what Asens just said, which I agree with all of it, is referees just aren't prepared to take that. That huge step of issuing a red card for being swollen out of respect—we're um, just not prepared to sin bins. And yes, it might not work. I'm just saying the trial. I don't. It know. works. It, it, it works absolutely. Ten minutes bang. rugby. Ten minutes. I mean rugby. You can punch someone. and only get ten minutes in the sin bin. So perhaps not the best example. But if every time someone swore, I'm like right, you're off for ten minutes. You're the team's playing for. Referees will be much more prepared to send someone off for part of the game. <sighs> And it would immediately deal with it, but Chris, i was just going to say, yeah, just say whatever you like. But also, just as a lead on, this could be dealt with pretty quickly with the sort of things that ace said and I have yeah. said.
2: So, so there's a few things just to pick there. So, first of all, the Simbin model is is applied at many levels uh, of non-professional football, all the way up to uh, top county levels, and I use the Simbin quite a lot. And oh, right. the Simbin is applied. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's not applied to, it's not applied at pro- professional levels it's applied right. at non-professional levels um and you a sin bin is for descent so normally in the laws of the game descent is, is yellow card but in non-professional um in most FAs and non-professional, you can apply. It's called a C two. It's a caution two. And it's and it's it's for dissent and you know and and dissent. It, it's just like you know questioning of decisions or or, or, or consistent kind of aggravation towards the referee, uh, attempting to sort of humiliate them on the pitch or undermine them. It's a ten-minute sin bin. And it's deeply effective because, first of all, it gives, it gives an opportunity for that player to go off and cool their head. Uh, And also the team then have to play with 10 men. So there's a certain sense of kind of sort of um, collective responsibility there. And what you were saying about, um, uh, well, so Aiton was saying about, you know, Uh, referees not being sworn at. It's already there in the laws. Um, Offensive, insulting and abusive language or behaviour is a straight red card. It just depends on whether referees actually apply that. And and if you see... um uh, you know a player um, uh, 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 say to a referee uh, on on match of the day you know you're a fucking joke that 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 is offensive insulting and, and abusive language should be straight red card referees at the premier league level must be under directive to 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 not respond to that um but but I nobody gets away with that with me when I'm on the pitch and the first person that that I talk to about it is then it's then uh, neutralised. I don't get any grief from players after that, so it can be applied. I would just say something. As I was saying about supporters, I think supporters are responsible for this because I think that they encourage and disseminate the the attitude and the culture. Whether whether it's attending a City game and not liking the decision that doesn't go your way, but then refusing to think, actually, maybe that referee who's refereed thousands of games has seen something that I've not seen because he was closer to it on the pitch. And, uh, And also, if I'm refereeing on a Saturday afternoon and a spectator says, you're a fucking joke ref, I, I have a responsibility to respond to that. And with, and within my, within my power referee, I can have that person removed. Otherwise the game gets abandoned. And I do think the spectators have the equal amount of responsibility as players and managers do, because what they are doing is just continuing to, to, to develop and, and spread that culture around that it's acceptable to talk to somebody, another human being. It's acceptable to talk to them. In public, like that, attempt to humiliate them simply because they're a referee in a football pitch. That is completely unacceptable. And anybody who engages with that sort of attitude, that sort of behaviour towards referee, regardless of what your role is—either player, manager, spectator, whatever—you that person is responsible for their actions and adding to that culture and adding to that 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 kind of. National, local, global attitude to, to referees. We all have a part to play, and that includes me as well. If I'm criticising referees on this pod, I, I need to be careful about what it, I'm talking about their decision making rather than them as people. It's really, really important. We all have a collective responsibility towards okay. this.
1: Right. I think I I, oh, I completely understand that. Um, I think that you're you're fully entitled to to think like that. I think it's very difficult to police, though. I think that you need to, I think, in my opinion, um, it's the professionals that need to lead the way on this. If you want those attitudes yeah. to change on the sidelines, well, first they have to change on the pitch. If they change mm. on the pitch, if you, if we can get ourselves to a stage where, you know, players are much more accepting of decisions and managers are much more accepting of decisions, and the type of disrespectful dissent that we're talking about uh, does lead to serious and dire consequences that affect results. That's a start for me. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: right. and, So, how I'm going to say one more thing really quickly? Every player is entitled when they walk onto the pitch to expect to be protected. By a referee within the laws of the game, for their physical and emotional welfare. The same applies to a referee. We have the same entitlement that when we go on the pitch, our physical and emotional welfare should be should be uh, um, protected. It's, 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 it, there's an equity there which is which is which is basic sim- basic rights that, that everyone should have, and unfortunately, that situation isn't there at the minute. Yeah.
0: Right. I, th- I think before the end of the season, we'll definitely have a standalone, uh, ref- another, at least one more referee podcast. Uh, talk about not just the laws and stuff, but yeah, treatment the referees and where we're at and stuff. I think it deserves a show of its own, but I think it's time we started talking about City. So thanks for that, Chris. Pleasure. <laughs> uh, ASAN, I'm going to go to you. Looking back at that Seville match, still buzzing a bit for Rico Lewis. And, an age-old question, that, or when I see a player break through like this, an age-old question that always occurs to me is that that balancing line between what do you want more? City buying £60 million players who we know will help us win lots of trophies or taking risks with youth players, because all youth players are risks because obviously they're youth players, uh, the buzz of seeing someone like Rico Lewis break through, how important is it to you as a fan that we do have players like him in our first-team squad uh, every season? Or is it more important to you that we just have the best team possible? Of course, both can <laughs> both can be true a lot of the time if they're good enough, but how do you feel as a fan
1: about the importance of young players breaking through? Um so I, I, I'm pretty unromantic about it in the sense yeah, that too, I want the best bit. city team in the world, right? And I want to win football matches. That's the only thing that I'm really interested in. The you, kind want, of, you want to
0: break the Guardian journalists, don't you?
1: <laughs> more or less. You know, I, I want to turn the Premier League, I want us to turn the Premier League into a farmer's league. I want us to win the league every single season without challenge. Um, and so that requires top players so in that sense I would never suggest that we compromise the quality of the squad simply because there's a player who is coming through the ranks who we feel romantically should be involved in the team but at the same time I don't have to worry about that because we are lucky and privileged enough to have an academy that is recruiting and producing some of the best talent in the country. So we're extra blessed because, you know, we get to see Rico Lewis, Cole Palmer, Phil Foden, lads like that come through and it becomes apparent that they have the quality that they can play in in, in the team. And it's apparent that the coaching staff and the manager believe in them as players. And that's enormous. If you're 16, 17, 18 years old and Pep Guardiola is giving you minutes, whether it's five minutes at the end of the game or whatever it is, there's no gifts at City. Pep doesn't give gifts out when it comes to young players. You you earn the right to, to go and play in the first team and, and those players will have done that. And, and that is... That's all we can ask for. We can't ask for more. I've often said, um, I'm going to go on a little bit of a mini rant now. I've often said um, that in the last ten years, every time a young player would leave, right, there'd be like there'd be a lot of complaining and there'd be a lot of people saying things like, "We should just shut the academy down. What's the point in the academy?" You know, we got this guy in the first team and and he's rubbish, and this lad coming. It's like no, like we've not let go of a player who you can look back on and go, well that was a mistake. He's good enough. Nobody can name one. Kareem Reckick played the other night for Sevilla. The lad Jason Denea, I think he's still looking for a club. Um uh Ronnie Lopez, he's off in, in Monaco or somewhere like that. Like, you know, the they're just we the players who are good enough, they get opportunities. Simple. Did you see Pep's comments by the way? Yeah. I did see them. Am I re- are these loaded?
0: Is he- Absolutely they are. Let me just it's read it out and you someone. can uh, reply. The right of reply. Uh, we we don't give presents here at Man City. Just because you're a Man, Man City fan or you're from the academy doesn't mean you're going to play. You have to earn it. The guys who want to stay at Man City fight and have patience and will have a chance. Is he talking about
1: someone there? Yes. I think that McAtee and DeLapp uh, are the two lads that that those shots have been fired up oh, because right. I was thinking I Jaden think, Sancho, but no, <laughs> I'm sure no, he's long forgotten about him. No, so. cause I don't think, I think that, I think that the, the Sancho, the Sancho situation was slightly different yeah. in that Sancho, I think was going on a free the following year. Right. Or he basically said that I'm not signing a new contract and I want to leave the football club permanently end of conversation that's completely different i think what peps firing shots are is he's firing shots at lads who think that they would be better suit their development will be better suited to going out on loan who think that they need to be playing more minutes uh, who think that yeah that their education would be better served at a championship club and as much as i wanted Mcatee to get first team experience and i wanted delap to get first team experience the fact that they both chose garbage clubs in the uh in the championship uh is just i think it they were terrible career moves for the pair of them genuinely like you look at the two lads who went to um, Southampton. Again, that's a different thing. The three lads who went to Southampton, four lads. I didn't realise that Juan Larios, Larios had gone. Seven to Southampton lads. As well. <laughs> now there's four of them because I've, I've always played with Southampton in uh, Football Manager, so I loaded the game up. I was like, Juan Larios. I recognise that name, and he he went he went from City as well. But no, like so, Lavia and Idozi making permanent transfers because they have the opportunity to play Premier League football. I completely understand that, right? And I understand the idea that City were in a contractual position with both of those players where they had to sell them, right? And they and those players chose those those career paths. I'm sure that those, those comments that Pep made, they're aimed at the two lads that are out on loan in the championship right now. Because he's probably watching them and going, that was a waste of time.
0: Well, McAtee's getting game time with Sheffield United, that's fair enough, and he won't get it here, but... Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a comment about someone. Anyway, so uh, people will make their own decision. Uh, Chris, there used to be this opinion that there was no route for youth players through to the first team. But let's be honest, mm. the standard is just higher than ever now, and that route's there. The likes of Rika lose scoring in a Champions League game is surely all <laughs> the uh, incentive. Young, other young players at the academy need to show that they can do it too.
2: I think it, it does go back to, to something we've discussed before about what the purpose of an academy is, and 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 I think that it, it's no longer, you know, it's no longer helpful for anybody to hold what is an antiquated attitude that the academy there is primarily there to develop players. Young players to go into the first team. It's not. It's an academy is a is a business model to develop players to either then be sold or moved on, and very occasionally to make their way into the first team. But then there's still no guarantee they're going to they're going to get a place. You, you you have to have these what well, you know obviously what, what we you know call generational talents like Phil Foden uh, possibly. Palmer, uh, as well, who, who who can get in there? I think for Rico Lewis, there's for for him. I mean, it was I thought it was a very really special night for him because it wasn't just the fact that he scored; it was it was that he really impacted on the play. You know, he really changed the the, the, the dynamic of the game, um, and we and we needed a goal, and 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 he and and you know and, and he pulled it out for us. And um, I, I think that you know if you good enough. You will get onto the pitch in the first team. It's just that that, that, that bar, the threshold to regard it as good enough is now so high that for most players, it's not obtainable. Um, you know, that it's, 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 we, we are an, we are an elite squad that can make some concessions to bring in young players to come through who we feel they've got the potential. But I think as Guardiola has alluded to before, the, the physical and technical ability. Is critical, but it's also the mental attitude as well. How many players have we seen at City who have come and gone because mentally and emotionally they just don't have enough for it? So yeah, we mentioned I think this on
0: the uh, that's key. When Pep says you've yeah. got it mentally, yeah. you've won. Yeah. you've won half the. You've won many yeah. battles. Basically, <laughs> you won half the war. Yeah, you. He yeah. basically gets you and is yeah rates you basically. <laughs>
2: And I think, I think what's interesting as well is, what, obviously, whilst Guardiola needs to have technically brilliantly gifted players, he, he can't play his kind of football unless he's got the player to be able to do that. And he said this before, that's why they cost a lot of money, because they're technically super, super players. But I think what's equally important to Pep is that a player can combine this almost maverick-like approach to what they can do with the ball with the ability to be able to adhere to a very, very strong concrete framework no, you, if you look at that sort of mercurial ability that Bernardo Silva has, it would be wasted if he wasn't able to know what his role in, in the machine is, what, which particular cog he is. So someone like Rico, Rico Lewis, you could see technically he's very gifted, he's very comfortable with the ball, ball but what he showed on uh, Wednesday evening was that he also knows how to be disciplined. He knows how to find space. He knows how to command the ball. He knows how to be part of that, of of, of that machine. And if you don't have that, and maybe players like Makatine, DeLappa, whoever. Don't quite have that. Aren't, aren't as disciplined enough to, to to stay with it within that machine. Maybe maybe that's a significant point. I think Asen's right. I think there's a level of loaded commentary there from from, from Pep. Is that he's putting he's putting a, a, a message out. There's there's no, you know, you don't have a right to walk into the team just because you're local or just because you're, you're in the academy. The academy is there to serve the footballing fraternity and to serve City's business model. Occasionally, a player talented enough and mentally strong enough. Will find their way through into the first team but the, the academy is, is not about that anymore it's about a different thing mm.
0: uh, Hey Sam we touched on this in the review uh, please uh, look into that for further details <laughs> everyone what role do you think Greek Lewis can play then in the rest of the season how much game time do you think you'll get
1: I mean I, I almost I, I almost don't want to look at it in through the prism of just the rest of the season I think that um For him to remain around the first team, which he obviously will do, for him to get minutes, whether it be in in dead rubber games or at the end of a game or, you know, whatever experience he can get, he should grab it with both hands right now because I think that… What he did. Well obviously we would like you said the mentality, the attitude is bang on from him. Yeah, so he's won half the battle with Pep. And then it's just a question of ability. I'm not sure that he's going to take Kyle Walker or João Cancelo's place in the first team this season. I'm not even sure that, you know, he's gonna get in ahead of Stones or a Kanji at right back for Premier League games or for big Champions League games. But he's ready. Like if if Guardiola did that. I, I wouldn't bother me. It really wouldn't bother me. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I, I've, I've seen enough. I saw enough from him in that game to go, no, he, he's got the ability to play first team football. So, and he's a baby 17. I mean, that's just like, he looks like a baby. Like you see his face. He's got like, you know, well, like puppy fat on his face. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a kid. It's wild. And that's incredible for for him to have that level of composure um, at that age. He's going to go all the way at the top, in my opinion. He's really going to go all the way at the top. So in terms of now from here and to the end of the season, I'd just like to see a few more cameos.
0: Mm. Uh, Chris, away from Rico Lewis, the match itself, did you actually take much from it? And I'm thinking I ended up taking quite a lot from that second half, which I really enjoyed. Do you want to see a bit more of that of uh, wide full backs? And do you just wish sometimes City would play more often like that? It's the dilemma between control and, you know, (laughs) the the Pep wanting control in matches, inverting players and, yeah, suffocating opposition. And Mm. sometimes to see some free flowing, sometimes seeing some free flowing football, we see. (laughs) We're spoiled so much, we see plenty of that. uh, you, would you like to see sometimes just us using width a bit more in future matches?
2: I, th- I think this season so far has been exceptional for that. I've never seen Guardiola wanting to exert so much control as I have in the first, what is it, 11, 12 games of this season so far. Often to, often to, to the extent that, that we do neglect some of our attacking prowess. And I think and when the first... Half was playing out. I find, my, I find myself incredibly distracted by other things because I just—I was just, you know, it, the game had nothing at stake to it at all. So, 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 so there wasn't that anxiety involved. The game against Leicester was as dull as dishwater because of the attempt to exert level of control. But there was something at stake, which was three points, and not to lose any more ground uh, on Arsenal at, at this relatively early stage. And so, so, that's why you stay engaged. But with this, it's, it was easy to. to disengage. I think, as you and Asan talked about on, on the review show, the personnel wasn't quite working properly, and and and, and there was not uh, there was not enough kind of successful functionality with with the roles that people were playing. Obviously, Maris is an easy target, but he did he didn't do himself any favors whatsoever. He, he was almost pl- like he was playing an, an, an isolatory ro- role. It, I always say when he plays like that, it's it's it, it, it's the Maris from Leicester who 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 tries to win a game. Uh, by himself, and he's pretty much been able to get rid of that in, in his, in his, when he's at city but he does it does emerge now and again when he gets frustrated. Uh, just we needed a goal and, 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 and Guardiola took a risk and sometimes when you take a risk you do you do, a, you do lose a certain level of control but but you gain something else in response, which is that unpredictability. And to be frank, with with the width that we generate with the overlapping fallbacks, you know Sevilla just couldn't really cope with it at all. Yeah, we're still
0: totally in control as well. I don't—we're yeah. really bothering us much in front of our guy.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and there is occasionally, I mean, it's, it's rare for us because our players are so technically brilliant. And we, if we lose the ball, we regain possession so quickly. But the more control you, you, you attempt to exert, the more the stakes feel like they're increasing if you lose the ball. So you become less ambitious and less bold and courageous. And so often in several games this season, I've just been screaming. Thinking, be a bit more courageous. You can do it. Be, be a little bit bolder. But I think the risk factor for them is, is, is you know, is entrenched in, in their thinking. But the second half was hugely enjoyable, not just because of tactical tweaks, um, and not just because it, it's it's joyous when you see a young player celebrate with the glee that, that Lewis celebrated because it was so important to him. He, he almost couldn't believe the position he put himself in. He had the audacity to beat the keeper. At his near post, but all suddenly the game became more exciting, and Sevilla s- switched on as well, and it was just a really good set second half of of, of the game. Uh, but yeah, I do. I think we've. I think we've. Not seen enough of that over of the overlapping fullbacks, and obviously because the fullbacks have been coming inside and playing basically a, a, an auxiliary m- um, holding m- midfield role to support Rodri. But yeah, the more we can see of that, particularly when it, the game has, has got nothing at stake, it, yeah, it, it made for an exciting last fo- second forty-five minutes.
0: Uh, a final question on the team as a whole: Do you still think we've tried to work this out? In a season that's so weird, where there's kind of two ends to the season, that it's just about getting through to the World Cup. Do you still think Pep's trying to find balance on the pitch between certain players, the the connections between you know those on the left and I don't know midfield, and there's, there's a balance issue there that he's still trying to tweak to find us to get us to our optimum level, or you're not too concerned basically with how we're playing generally at the moment
1: no i'm I'm not concerned because I think that you know th- this season the big obviously the big change is, is Haaland and and how that has affected uh, our our overall play. um I'm more of the opinion that we're at the stage with the team where this is about individuals and how they find connections on the pitch with their mates. Obviously, I went to town on on as in the uh, in the review because I didn't like his performance, um, but there have been similar issues with Grealish in moments as well, and I think that all of the all of the players who play in the wide areas they need to figure out how to build connections with the number eights and with the fullbacks, um, and I think that that's almost like the last mountain that we need to climb because from a I think one of the things that we don't really see until we go and watch other Premier League teams is just how finely tuned our system is. Like, we're just, it's almost a different sport the way we play to the way that many other teams play. Um, And within the context of that, I, I feel as though this is... You know, this is, this is. I said it earlier in the season, this is Guardiola's greatest city team, uh, in my opinion. And I think it's probably the most dangerous city team that he's built, not just because of Haaland, but because he doesn't require the kind of up and down football that maybe we had in 1718 to kill teams it's like this is death by a thousand cuts in the best possible way we keep the ball you can't have the ball and eventually we'll score a goal and there's no way that you'll penetrate mm-hmm. our defense so that that where we are we're the machine that rightly everybody hates because we are a machine and that Machine-like quality is what will ensure that we turn, we continue to win Premier League titles, and hopefully turn this league into a Farmers League. Mm.
2: I, I, I think also, I think, I think you're right. That I thought the same thing the beginning of the season. that potentially the makeup of the squad means we've got our strongest ever squad under Guardiola. And I think that 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 swashbuckling cavalier style of football, Guardiola, as like you say, is a lot less interested in. It's, it, 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 it's possible. We could have one of our most successful seasons, but we'll be playing some of like more pragmatic football than we're used to, and I think that's been symptomatic in quite a few games that we've seen so far that we have won, uh, like the Leicester game. As long as we got, as long as we got the three points. It didn't matter, but I think that, that that level of control which Guardiola is exerting is what his priority is now. And it might mean that sometimes the football isn't as attractive or as excited as it's been before, but what it is is, is utterly... Um, Destroying of, of the opposition's ability to impose themselves uh, on the game, and and frankly, and we're not we know, we're not looking at long ball, boring football, but we're looking at football which is all about control. And if that wins us three points tomorrow, following week after the World Cup, that I'm 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 happy with that.
0: Okay, uh, to finish part one, a couple of quick fire things. Stay with you, Chris. The Champions League draw. Oh wait, son. Uh, we did. We didn't know on the review. It's eleven a.m. I think. I say it begins at eleven a.m. on Monday, so the actual draw probably about midnight. So uh, on from,
1: Wednesday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Here comes uh, Jurgen Klinsman to discusses <laughs> the first eight years of his career in the form of interpretive dance. <laughs> before we. <laughs> <laughs> so well, sounds the, sounds decent. Whilst the balls are warming in the microwave? Yes, uh, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, Chris, Aesan's already said the here. He's, he's uh, confident. Whoever we get, which we should be, but knowing our potential opponents for the draw, is there anyone you want to avoid and anyone you'd rather get?
2: Not really, because I th- there's nobody that I really fear. Where I think that that, that they're an impassable object. Um, so
1: arrogant, Chris. So well,
2: arrogant. Well, hey, i do not arrogant. Just better. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I'll line them up. You knock them over, Hawking.
2: <laughs> I, um, I, th- you know, one one sort of line. You know, one sort of school uh, school of thought is is let's get an easy uh, an easy uh, uh, tie, but I would say l- let's get a tough tie first through so so we eradicate any anxiety moving forward. You know, I remember a couple of seasons ago. What was it? It was it was Dortmund in the quarters and PSG in the semis. But we navigated them. So, so I would say, yeah, like bring on PSG in, 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 in the next round. And then we can, and then we put to, we put to bed one, one of the more likely threatening opponents. And we don't have any anxiety about who we're going to meet next. If, if we, if we get a lesser side, like if, I mean, I say Bruges, but they did really well. But if we get a lesser side, we're just, we're just, just holding off on that inevitable. Outcome. Then we play somebody who is is, is really good. So I, I'd rather get a big name first of all, navigate that, and go into the quarters. Crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you've got you've got you've got to navigate it at some point. Yeah, so, obviously, if so, you, the know, fewer you know, big
0: teams, you have to navigate the more out. Of, you are of to
2: course, but the, the thing, but the thing is, as, as a club now, we, we no longer get giddy about being in the quarterfinals of a Champions League. Okay, that the the, the bar has changed. Our our key objective in the Champions League this season is get to the final, which means we're going to have to meet some big names to get to that point. So let's just do it early and we eradicate them, meeting them at a later stage where it feels more damaging and hurtful if we go out.
0: All I'm saying is Millwall got to the FA Cup final without drawing a single... Premier League team along the way <laughs> 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 and they wouldn't have got there otherwise so, uh, I know but I look at like I wanted Benfica rather than PSG in there but then you think well hang on they matched them in the group Absolutely. and they're playing brilliantly at the moment so is it really an easier option so I think whoever had been in that group I'd probably rather avoid them uh, and the rest of them they bring their own separate challenges but there's not a huge amount not a chasm between uh the Quality, I think. I think Bruges might be tailing off now. I don't know, but
1: I think the thing, I think the other thing to um never forget is that nobody wants City, whoever mm. you are w- literally, you name me a team left in the Champions League, they don't want City. Bayern Munich definitely don't want City, Liverpool definitely don't want City, Real Madrid they really don't want City. Like, you know, we are, of course, like. The the natural thing is to go, well, I want the easiest draw I can get. Everybody will Everybody will think like that. But there's a reason why season after season we're more or less favourites to win the Champions League. Um, and it is down to the quality of our players and the quality of our coach. And so, you know, moving into the draw next week, bring it on, man. Mm. Right. Final 30 seconds or so of part
0: one. Hey, son and Chris, whoever. Uh, Kanji's got play of the month for October. Fair. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Shame he had to go up to right bit, uh, right back for a bit, but yeah, he's been absolute class, and so. he? Yeah. But yeah, and it just makes you, you know, about the balance of the team as well, it's just uh, worth remembering that we have had quite a turnover in the summer. So mm-hmm. that's an option as well. And yeah, you know, it's going to take time. You can't just bring, I mean, he's coming, he's playing as if he's been here five years, but you just can't expect that from everyone. That's ridiculous. Because we've bought potential as well as senior players. Right. I think that's, uh, that's it for looking back. So, yeah, can't think of anything else. That's the end of part one. Uh, we'll be previewing the weekend match shortly. But first, I caught up with Fulham fan Alan to talk about his club, their season, and the big match this weekend. I had to talk all things Fulham, I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Druitt. Uh, good afternoon, Alan. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. The sun's out. Looking forward to the last little bits of football before the World Cup. <laughs> I'm glad you are.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> before, well, before we talk are you actually looking forward to the World Cup at all? Do you know what? It's It's gone under the radar a little bit, hasn't it? You yeah. sort of forget that there's a World Cup happening. Because um, usually the season ends and then you have like a two or three week build up where you can get excited, yeah. you know. You can start looking at different teams, start looking at how the groups are going to plan out. But this year, it's just, it seems a bit more of a hindrance than anything else. Mm. I mean, it's a World Cup, there's four.
0: I work from home, there's four games on a day a lot of the time, and that sounds exciting. Then you look at the actual fixtures and you think, you know what, most of these are not boring. quite boring the first round. And I honestly think it's going to be one of the the worst World Cups ever for... Many, many reasons, but we will see. It's different. It'll be interesting, won't it? So, I guess. What are uh, the Fulham squad?
3: What are your commitments for the World Cup? Will you lose a lot of players? Uh, We have uh, Mitrovic, uh, Palinia. We have Robinson, possibly Timri. I'm not sure if uh, the USA are going to recall him back up. Um, Tete, may be in with a bit of a shout for the Netherlands. I'm not sure on Leno. I think he's further fourth choice. But we have a few players, but not too many. So yeah. we should be okay, hopefully, for when it restarts in- on Boxing Day. Okay. Yeah, 28th was worse. Look, uh, that's
0: live TV scheduling for you. Uh, my, let's talk Fulham. And uh, my traditional apology to listeners, yes, there is a leaf blower in the background. I don't know if you can hear it or not. Uh, I tried to chase him down the street, but it was too fast for me. So <laughs> uh, so if you are hearing background noise, it is, as always, as it has been for the last four years, and I, even when I moved house, that's not changed. Uh, that's the reason for it, so apologies. But he seems to be getting further away way uh yeah Fulham uh I think a good point to start is when the season itself began I did I put sent you some notes said Fulham are no Norwich City which might be stating the obvious but what I mean is you may be perceived as a slight yo-yo club of sorts but maybe not a Norwich levels you were 11 points from safety two years ago in what was you know a pretty disastrous season including financially did you go into this season with similar fears or is there really a newfound confidence before this season began that you could be really competitive in the Premier League?
3: I think it's tough to be, to be confident for the simple reason that the last two attempts, we've failed miserably. Mm. Uh, the, the most previous of attempts was under Scott Parker, where with 10 games to go, we were only one point off 17th. Yeah. And then in the last 10 games, we never picked up one win. Wow. So it was a dismal end to the season. But considering last season, we did actually win the league this time and not come up through the playoffs, we were scoring goals for fun. Mitrovic was you know, scoring a hat-trick pretty much every game, so it seemed. So there was a bit more confidence going in this time round, but there was still that bit of caution thinking, okay, it's probably going to be another dismal season. Um, But 13 games in, I don't think any Fulham fan could, in their wildest dreams, imagine we'll be sitting seventh, Mm. you know, and... We've competed in every game, bar one, to be honest. So, you yeah, know, it's certainly reason to be optimistic. What, what was the one? It was Newcastle at home. And that was purely because we got a, a, a man sent off after six minutes. Hmm. That, um, well, that's fair enough. <laughs> and that is that is probably the only game that you look at and go, well, we never competed. Hmm. We got brushed aside. We
0: lost by a single goal at Arsenal, didn't you? Is it Spurs as well or you lost by a single goal? I think. Yeah. Yeah, was it? Yeah. so Yeah, that's yeah, You look at your results, uh, obviously it's a bit up and down. You're promoted side, you're not going to win every game. Uh, but Exactly. Everyone is, looks close, yeah, uh, very much close. Uh, just for the record, do you remember what Mitrovic finished on goals-wise last season? Uh, 43. Ugh, sloppy. The mere 43. The <laughs> <A> mere 43. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that's not bad, I'll give him that. That's not bad at all. Uh, so, your summer business then? I know I vaguely my muscle memory from last time is that you did a bit of a Nottingham Forest and signed about 20 players two seasons ago is that right in saying was your did you feel that your recruitment this summer was a bit more sensible
3: and set you up for the season so that season where we spent over a hundred million um, because as you rightly pointed out we have been a sort of a yo-yo club hmm. it was actually our first attempt back in the Premier League which was I think it was four seasons ago now Um Two seasons ago, under Parker, we we spent a little bit, but not too much. This time round, we've recruited better, and um, we've recruited Premier League experience with the likes of Burn Leno, uh, Issa Diop, uh, Willian, who's obviously played for Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, but for me, the best signing of the summer has to be Joao Palinia. Um If you ask any Fulham fan, they will. You can only speak highly of the man. He's been fantastic. Uh, we only signed him for, I think it was €20 million Euros on, a, on a six-year contract. Yeah, wow. Now, he won't be at Fulham for much longer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'd i be surprised if we can keep him longer than a year. If we do, fantastic. Um, he's just, he's different class. He just stands what, up. What sort of sort player from. is he
0: then, just for those that don't know about him?
3: He's a holding midfielder. Yeah. Uh, so, he'll break up play. He's actually got the most amount of tackles in the Premier League this season. Mm. Uh, he got five bookings in the first seven or eight games <laughs> wow. so uh, he's already served a one match suspension <laughs> sounds like Fernandinho type <laughs> player. yeah and to be honest he just he's just he's just class yeah Um, and he's one on, I think you'll notice a bit more about him on Saturday if yeah. you don't know much about Fulham I think there's two players which will probably stand out which will be Mitrovic if he plays because he is carrying a bit of an injury and Paulinia. right
0: well, I'll just two individuals to talk about as well. Uh, your owner Shahid Khan. How important has he been, especially with the investment? I read that you know he, he did have to cover some of the financial decisions a couple of years ago that were made. He's put money into the club. How important is he, behind, you know, to your success?
3: He's uh, been reminder
0: that you did you ran away with the championship last season. Did you not? So.
3: Yeah, he's been uh, an integral part to our success. But his son has played a, a major sort of part into our downfall at the same time. Hmm. So his son is our director of football. Right. Um, they both had zero football experience when they bought the club. So they were learning on a job. Um, and a lot of the transfers he's done, a lot of the managerial appointments and sackings he's done hasn't benefited us at all, really. Some have, but most haven't. Um, but look, Shai Khan is he's continuing to... Give us an injection of money. He's built a new stand, Riverside Stand, which looks fantastic. So, you know, Shia Khan, fantastic. Tony Khan, not so much. But I suppose, you know, they've been owners now for what, nearly 10 years. So yeah. if they're not learning by now, they'll never learn. Time
0: flies, doesn't it? Over 10 it years. Does. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and Marco Silva how highly rated
0: is he by fans as an outsider he's one one of those managers I find hard to define he's yeah, been around the block a bit with a few teams you see some great football you see the dips for your for your team i think it's it's yeah there's been no dips really it's just been uh, all good so far
3: yeah let's uh let's touch wood let's hope there is no dips <laughs> um but there's found to be some dips but he's been phenomenal since he came in really um The fans always speak of him highly. The players, they seem to speak about him differently to how they spoke about Parker and a few other managers we've had in the past. Um, It's free-flowing attacking football. And even now, this time running the Premier League, we seem to have something different about us. There's a bit of fight. There's a bit of nastiness that I think you need to pick up points when things aren't going your way, which is why Paulini has probably played an integral part to our success this season. Yeah. And we are getting more bookings. We are making more fouls, and we're doing the dirty side of football, which not which most clubs have to do, unless you're Man City, of course, when you can just play tick attacker and just stroll through ninety minutes. Pep hates <laughs> that <makes> too. <that> t- <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> but um, that no, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But I have no complaints about Marco Silva. Yeah, I know he, he left a bit of sour taste in people's mouths with moving from obviously Watford to Hull, um, and then he managed Everton for a little while. So. He has a point to prove now, um, and I think we're reaping the rewards from that. He you said he's seventh in the table. I think it's one loss in five last five as well. Yeah.
0: What's as you talked to you. I, I noticed that like a couple of years ago. I saw you losing home to United uh, and City. Is that you had mistakes in them? He did seem like a, yeah, soft underbelly. Like you could play well during a match, but there's always something around the corner. Uh, are there any other or the other reasons that you could pinpoint that you've been you know, that has made the season such a success so far in the team?
3: I think it, it was the the transfers that we brought in, in a sense that most of the players we brought in have had Premier League experience, which we have lacked in our last two attempts. So that season where we spent over £100 million, we were buying players from France, from Spain, expecting to kickstart into the Premier League, where... You know, Whenever you buy players from abroad, there's always a chance. It's going to take them six months to a year to bet in. But this time round, we seem to have done things differently. And I think that's because Marco Silva's had more of a say in the transfers that we've actually got in compared to previous managers. So the Premier League experience has been vital. Um, And we have a manager that knows what he's doing now, unlike Parker. (laughs) (laughs) That was was his... uh, Yeah, the the Fulham fans'
0: opinion of his... That low, to be honest. Because he was another one I couldn't really work out. I didn't have high hopes for him as a manager, but he was still hard to define, So, which I guess like many ex-players are when they come into the management game. So. yeah, he was not popular
3: now. Not, not when he left, anyway, put it that way. Yeah. But I just think because he was English um, and he literally just came into management, you speak to most pandits, they're always speaking highly of him, but the harsh reality... Is he's, he's a boring manager. Mm. So he wants to, you know, set up not to concede before even thinking about scoring, which is fine against certain teams. But when you're at home to the likes of Burnley or Southampton and you need to win, he doesn't have that plan B where he goes, right, you know, take the leash off and just attack.
0: Yeah.
3: He, he doesn't quite have that. Looks good on the touchline now, does he not? Yeah, he he, dre- he dresses fantastically, but unfortunately, do <laughs> them, win your points. They don't know it's five thousand pound jackets and jumpers or whatever it was. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would experience that at the had this season? Yeah, before he uh, was once more left his uh, club. So, Andrić uh, uh, before we talk about Saturday, finally found his Premier League feet. What's harder to explain? Is it how well he's doing this season, or the fact that he couldn't? do it the previous time? Because he is a class player.
3: He is. And again, the last attempt under Parker, I think he only started five games. Wow. He made a lot of substitute appearances. Yeah. Parker didn't like him um, for whatever reason. But it just goes to show when you play a strike, you know, with a striker, if you play to their strengths, they score goals. Um, and Silva's done that. He said, look, everything's going to be evolved around Mitrovic. If you give him the ball, he's going to score goals. Um but then again, against Everton, he had 10 chances and only hit a target once. So, but ultimately, days, yeah. yeah, you know, he's, he's not third in the uh, Premier League standings for no reason. He scored nine goals already. Um But no, it's from a Fulham point of view. It's nice that he's actually getting a recognition that we could all see that he deserves. Yeah. Um But no, he'll, he'll be up there. He'll score 15, 16 goals this season, in my opinion. That's being pessimistic. If you yeah. can push on to 18, I reckon it means that we finish around 10th, 11th. But as long as we can finish 17 or above, I'm happy. That's, yeah, because then you consolidate. Uh, yeah. did you, you mentioned an uh, injury doubt.
0: Let's talk about Saturday's match then. Uh. Hmm. He's the an injury doubt for the weekend. Sounds like both, both teams' star strikers are doubts for the match.
3: Well, he's been carrying a, an injury for about the last five, six weeks. He picked it up in the last international break. Um, and he's actually played through it. Hmm. Uh, he's still scoring goals, but he's not been his usual fluent self. So he'll drop deep, he'll link up play. Um, I reckon he will play, but I wouldn't be too disappointed if he was said, look, just sit on the bench for this one. Um, but I suppose if he, if Mitrovic is on the bench, that will tell you all you need to know about our realistic it, and expectations of the game. Well, wow, that's um, my next question. How do you think from set up? Will Silver uh,
0: play you play under Silver you play attractive free flowing football as you often have in the past. Is that the only way you think Silver can play? Or do you have looked at previous City have not been imperious? As imperious as some people seem to think, this season uh, they've already decided to win the Premier League. Teams have <laughs> given us many problems. Uh, do you think he might be cautious, uh, deep block, sit low, and look to counter attack, or is there only one way that Fulham can play football?
3: I think we'd be a bit naive. Like last season, we played you in the FA Cup, um, yeah, February, and we, we it, yeah. yeah, and we lost four-one, but we stuck to our guns and we said, look, we're just going to give it a go. And Tom we lost four one. Yeah. yeah, after four minutes, Cavalia. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this time round it, it'll be a bit different. We went to the Emirates early on in the season and lost two one in the last couple of minutes, which should have been ruled out by VAR for handball. Um, not that I'm still bitter about that, but <laughs> we we showed a different side to us, which we we can sit there, we can be stubborn. And we're going to need to be on Saturday because, mm. you know, if you go to the Etihad and concede in the first five, ten minutes, it's game over. I don't care who you are. Um, but especially for us, the longer we can keep it nil-nil, the better it will be for us in terms of keeping that score down. Because <laughs> let's be honest, most teams in the league, when you go to the Etihad, if you've kept it below three, you've had a good day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh don't know who has to be honest (laughs) well this is it (laughs) but I was I actually spoke to a Man City fan on our podcast uh, at the beginning of this week Mm. and he said that if anything Man City is slightly easier to play against when Haaland is in the team Um, and that's because everything evolves around him Um, and I I know recently when Haaland hasn't been in the squad apart from sort of last night you haven't scored three or four goals in a game whereas where he has been in there it's 3456
0: that's hard to define i would say because basically he's only been out two matches and mm. our away form is slightly different so we haven't scored in open play in four away games but two of them were champions league one of mm. them we had to play a player set off after 30 minutes one of them was at anfield and we just always lose we don't always lose at film. it just feels like it uh, so yeah it's very I don't think we really have a big sample size of uh, how we play at home without Haaland because mm. yeah and, of course, he didn't play against Seville this week, but that was a dead rubber. So, very hard yeah. to say in a way. But, yeah, I think we are still – he's not an issue as such, obviously. scored 17 goals already. <laughs> but an issue as in the system. We've been playing without a striker for two years, and I think we're still finding a way in just the small connections between players and having one less midfielder on the pitch. So, I don't I, – I think – I hope he plays as well. Uh I don't think he had a serious injury, but Pep doesn't give much away, so he's had a a knock on the foot. So he too, uh, we don't know for sure he'll be starting uh, the match. But yeah, City have tended to score plenty of goals at home, but I think the Brighton game and recent games away from them showed that we are kind of getting over the line still uh, before the World Cup. It feels like like it's a season where you've got two ends to it and uh, no one's really seen flowing football a lot. So you, met, you know, mentioned that it was February once at the FA Cup game. Just seems yeah. like seems like years ago now. I don't know. Uh, it does. So Cavaliere's gone, of course, to Liverpool. Uh, one first question: How big a hit do you think he'll be at Liverpool? Because I know City fans rave about him. You know, from what little they saw, and um, we talked. Have said that was a cracking signing for Liverpool. Do you think he'll become a regular? Secondly, I was, was going to ask you. Know, how different a team are you for the one that visited the FA Cup? But with him gone and some signings, you've kind of answered that already that we will see a pretty different team uh, from the one that was in the FA Cup and the Championship side, of course, at the time.
3: Yeah, I think we have, we signed Pereira from your, your neighbours, um, who's been a revelation for us this season. I think only Kevin De Bruyne has set up more chances than, mm. than Pereira. Um, so yes, you will see a different setup on Saturday I'm hoping but in answer to your first question uh, I I think Jurgen Klopp's probably the best manager to have if you want to take that next step um, other than Guardiola who in my opinion is the best manager out there um, but Klopp seems to be giving him a chance a bit like he did with Harvey Elliott, who came from us as well um, so personally I'd like to see him do well because he's another another sort of academy player that's gone on to do big things um, but yeah no I, I think give it a couple of years and he'll be a, a starter and good luck to the lad I hope he does do well yeah it's just
0: a shame you've got so little time to see him really because he's still very young is he not? so yeah
3: he's 17 I think seventeen, he is. or yeah. he's 18 now yeah
0: it does annoy me even you know, if City is a player signing them as well we have the Sancho San- you know talk about someone like JD Sancho well we got him from Watford and, you know, <laughs> Raheem Sterling, that he went from QPR. You know, it's, it is a shame in a way that teams can be uh, have players taken off that young put's
3: You never the get rewarded works. financially for it either. Mm. Oh, well, that's um, it, yeah. Because they can't sign professional contracts yeah. until they reach a certain age. So it's like we lost Harvey Elliott. I think we got five million through a tribunal. Yeah. Um, and Cavalier won much more than that. But ultimately, as a fan, you just
0: want to see more of them, don't you? Before they move yeah. on. so Exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so are, are there any players uh, you've not mentioned that City fans should look out for, uh, perhaps in defence? A bit tighter than you've been in previous seasons as well. Uh, more organised as well.
3: Yeah, we are more organised. Um, I think the acquisition of Issa Diop um, has helped. Uh, Tim Ream's been a revelation for us this season. Um a lot of a lot of Fulham fans, to be honest, sort of writ him off before a ball was kicked and said he can't be our starting centre back in the Premier League. We'll concede five or six every week. Um but as I said he's been a revelation. Anthony Robinson left back has been great. So we do have pace on the flanks, um uh, full back, wing back and up top. But I don't know, I'm worried. <laughs> I am worried How about Saturday. <laughs> Well, that was my final question. Well, a
0: penultimate question. Are you quietly confident you can spring a surprise at the weekends? No. no.
3: As, <laughs> as, as I said about five minutes ago, if we can keep the scoreline below three, I think we've done a good job. Um, okay. I think it will all rest on how the first 20 minutes go. Yeah. Uh, and obviously if Haaland plays, because if Haaland plays, you know, we keep it below five, we've had a good day. Um, but I, I can't be anything other than pessimistic for... <laughs> For this game, I've I've been to the Etihad a few, well, about five six times, yeah. Um And I had some good memories, Uh winning three uh, two, which kept us up, and then winning three one the season after. Still scarred by that fourteen years
0: ago. That that three two was it? That
3: yeah, I was. Uh, it was the best, probably the best game I've been to watching Fulham in twenty seven years. Mm. Um, I'll never forget lot, it.
0: Yeah, not a lot riding on it for City that day. Um, I don't no, think we were fighting... But I was still both like in awe of the story and both gutted because I'm always gutted when City lose. <laughs> so yeah, it was a strange day, but an amazing second half really.
3: Yeah, I remember Alano, I think he was Alano just pulling the strings and mm. he was just a phenomenal player. He was he was the sort of first City player that I looked at and thought, yeah, that's a proper player. Yeah, um, oh, he was, yeah. And then you've had about a hundred since. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we,
0: the rest. Uh, Bit discussing their uh, free kicks in the last week because of Kevin De Bruyne's one at Leicester. and The Alana one against Newcastle. If you've not seen it, uh, do YouTube. It's one of the best free kicks I've ever seen in my life. So. Which I think was that year or the year before. So, yeah, we're fucking up. Yeah. So, I'm sorry to do this, but I can ask you for a score prediction, please. <laughs> Opposition uh, fans are generally very bullish and give a. Uh, the early weeks of this season, they were giving draws, you know, being quite confident. But it's kind of the last few of a Southampton fan, he wasn't very confident either <laughs> a few weeks ago. So, yeah, sorry, score
3: prediction. Uh, if I wanted to be optimistic. Yeah, go for uh, it. I'd probably say a 2 0 defeat, oh. and that's <laughs> being up <optimistic>, to being pessimistic. <laughs> you know, it, it could be five. Well, um, I think if you do play football, yeah,
0: we do have a goal in us against us. That is, yeah, you know, for the opposition. Uh, clean sheets not always a uh, big thing, and certainly at home. When we have scored, the the opposition has occasionally scored themselves as well, or more than occasionally. So I'm going to go for. A cautious 3-1 win to City. Yeah. <laughs> cautious 3-1. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just born negative and pessimistic, but I don't see this being a route. Uh, I don't know if that's my mindset. And I guess you can't predict routes. And, uh, yeah, don't, I think I think players are looking towards the World Cup and just the way they play is just a bit different at the moment.
3: So. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping that De Bruyne has already sort of got one mind on Qatar. Uh, Cancelo... You know, Bernardo Silva, I'm hoping the core your squad has got one eye already on the World Cup. So, you know, they do turn up 50, 60% and <laughs> they just sort of take it easy. Yeah, I would, I would hope for a bit more high percentage than that. <laughs> but even if you turn up
0: 95%, you get punished in this uh, division, I think. So, yeah, it's a strange time psychologically for the players. I don't think you can, you know, if... So City, when they have gone 3-0 up in the past, do tend to ease off anyway because Pep likes to gain, manage the season as a whole and look at the wider picture. I think that's really relevant right now. So I don't think if City played their best game ever, I don't think they'd look to score a huge amount of goals anyway. So I, don't, I hope not, because
3: that goal uh, didn't have zero at showing
0: the end. <laughs> I think you can cause us some problems too because, you know, with Walker being out for City, it has posed... Problems we played centre house at full back, and yeah, there's been a few issues just with individual players fitting into a system. But the goals have been there, so don't deny it.
3: We've lost our last 11, 12 games against City, it's something like that. Wow, it's it's yeah, the the run is ridiculous. That Um, will end one day, one day when I'm old and (laughs) grey.
0: Well, I'm already that, so I can't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm nearly there I'm nearly there
0: I mean yeah the Manchester City of the 1990s made me old and grey so I'm well oh, past don't. that point so
3: my um, first memory of watching Man City I think was that 1998 1999 season uh, when you came to the cottage in Division 2 and yeah. I think you won 3-1 yeah
0: that's a good Fulham side that was that the season you won the league easily wasn't it so.
3: yeah under Keegan and then yeah. you went up through the playoffs against Gillingham wasn't it yeah see that's why I've always liked Man City because they beat Gillingham so <laughs> I'm happy. You don't like Gillingham, then? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a Fulham thing. Um, okay. So, yeah. I'm going to have to look that
0: up. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realise.
3: You, you'll have a look and um, you, you'll find it. It won't take you too long to find out why we don't like it. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to check that <laughs> out
0: right now. Uh, I'm afraid time has defeated us. Alan, I always say this, after this weekend, uh, well, thanks for coming on, first of all. Uh, really no appreciate problem. you taking the time out. And uh, after this weekend, hope you have an absolutely wonderful
3: season. Thank you, and uh, enjoy your your winning winning the league again for another season. <laughs> We're not even top of the table.
0: It's <laughs> <This is> ridiculous. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems the media have decided we've already won it. So
3: I think everyone has, unless uh, you're an Arsenal fan.
0: Okay, well that's not how I see it. But <laughs> we will see. Yeah. Anyway, Alan, thanks very much again.
3: No problem. Thanks, uh,
0: Alan. Yeah, and now it's back to the past. Preview, Saturday afternoon's game. Uh, right, thanks again uh, to Alan F. Speaking to us, a uh, very interesting chat. And yeah, Asan Chris, Fulham, three o'clock on a Saturday, uh, playing at the proper time again. Chris, how do you view this game? I always ask if games like this are a banana skin. I know Asan will say, any game is. Uh, but you go into this one feeling pretty confident. Fulham, you know, as Alan said, Having a great season, they're in seventh place. Uh, not the t- not the sort of team we saw two years ago when they were last table. Some of their disastrous previous campaigns. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you feel about this? That, as he said, he wasn't uh, he wasn't very uh, optimistic at all. Uh, and City have scored at home. I mean, even the Brighton game where I didn't feel we were great and Brighton themselves were, we still score at least three goals at home in the league this season. you go going into this mm-hmm. expecting more of the same.
2: Um, I, I mean, I hope so. I, I think what, what reassures me about Guardiola with any game is that I think he thinks that any game can be lost if you don't take it seriously and if you don't respect the opponent Occasionally, Guardiola over respects the opponent, as we saw against Liverpool. Um, but but I think that he would never he he would never go in he would never go into the changing room and say lads it's Fulham before the game starts. Um, but I think also I mean Fulham are really interesting as well because it's kind of you know if you look at the obviously they're, they're seven so 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 two things they're doing really well and they're doing far better than they did last time they in the Premier League. But 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 there's a kind of there's a sort of steady consistency about them, but also they're quite average. And but that but that sort of averageness is punctuated by some fantastic individual performances because they've they, you know they've well they've won five, drawn four, lost four, and they've got a, a goal difference of zero. So it means that mm-hmm. they you know they 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 are scoring goals as, as, as e- so they're conceding goals as easily as, as they're scoring goals. I just think that the control that, that the city team can exert um, and Fulham i would be surprised if they if they try and play an open game i, I, I don't maybe you know um is it, it the it, full way the, yeah yeah but i don't i don't even know what that means when they talk about a team's <laughs> way they said about west ham for three decades and they were still shit but you know so so i think that um yeah i, I can't i mean I, I anticipate a city victory I hope Fulham to bring it to us a little bit. I hope I hope that you know that they whilst whilst Rogers had a very clear tactical plan, plan um, uh, f- with the Leicester game last week, which if he'd applied it slightly earlier in the narrative of the game, he might have got he might have got a little bit more success. But uh, yeah, I can't um, you know Fulham can't be underestimated. That they're in the position where they should be in, in the league table. That but that that league table also suggests how other teams are inconsistent around them as well, it's not just a narrative about them, it's about other teams as well, but I'm reasonably confident that we can navigate this and uh, we we can bring it home
0: Mm -hmm. Mason, your thoughts, they have been competitive in every match they've played with 11 men Uh, lost late on at Arsenal Uh, drew of course in the opening day against Liverpool I think if that counts for anything Uh, what are you expecting, uh, a very dominant home performance or a potentially tricky tie?
1: No, no. I, I think it'll be. Um, uh, so I like Fulham. I think the the job Marco Silva's done has been really excellent. I think that they are they have a way of playing, and they just play that way, and they're not really asked about um, who the opposition is. And I think that's quite a dangerous thing uh, for a team like us. I think that you know, uh, I, I Fulham, in my opinion, can score against City. And that already puts you in a position where you go, all right, well, then you're going to have to score goals in multiples to win this game of football um it's not to say that there isn't a world in which they could potentially be blown away, but that's only if we have one of those days where everything we hit goes in. If everything we hit goes in right on the chances that we create, I think then it'll be a different game, but I expect it to be tricky. I expect them to be hugely competitive. Um, I think that holding midfielder that they've got, the Brazilian one whose name escapes me, I think he's excellent. Yeah, really I'll, just. Yeah, I
0: mentioned him. He's been the star player,
1: basically. He's it, just a top player. Um, I think that they attack in numbers and they attack in waves. And, you know, in Mitrovic, they've got a guy who will be a handful for whatever the, whatever the centre half uh, partnership is for City. So, I expect it to be a really competitive and thoroughly enjoyable game. It's not one, you know, it's, it's interesting because we'll, I guess next week we'll have this conversation more. It's going to be fascinating to see what that last round of fixtures looks like. And what I mean by that is players going to the world cup. How do they approach those games? Yeah. You've seen Mm -hmm. the number of players that have gone down with injuries in the last couple of weeks. I think Chilwell's gone down. He's not going to be in the world cup squad now. It's gonna be it's gonna be playing in the back of players' minds, I I believe. But I look at these two games and I, I'll keep repeating the same mantra. The only thing we've got to do is get six points. Spurs play Liverpool, Arsenal play Chelsea in, in this in this little two-game run that we've got. We can make a bigger um create a bigger gap between ourselves and the pack below us and we should be doing that because i genuinely believe the more i've thought about this the more i'm pretty sure that what's going to happen is actually all the teams that are further ahead than where they're expected to be um come the world cup are going to come off better the other side of the world cup because effectively everybody gets a long break the coaching staff players. Obviously, the players go at the World Cup, but they they get a break from club football. They come back, they get to have a fresh preseason, and they've got a head start on their rivals. So. Arsenal can look at the table, look at whoever's in fourth and go, well, we've got that much of a, they've given us that much of a handicap in the rest of the, uh, rest of the games in the season. Uh, and it'll, it'll apply all the way down the league. And so those who are below their expectations, I think they'll struggle come, come the other end of the World Cup. So yeah, so for me right now, uh, key thing, we win by hook or by crook. And I do believe it'll be tricky tomorrow. Mm. Uh, is it Pal- Palhinha, the defensive midfielder, Portuguese Palhinha. Uh,
0: he's already served a suspension, as Alan said, uh, for picking up five yellow cards. So if you want a little bet, then him getting booked on Saturday might be uh, <laughs> a nailed-on one. Uh, I think but uh, if, you, but Cabano, if you look uh, at it... I think he's done crucial sorry. ligament this week as well, which is terrible news for him and the team as well. So yeah, uh, And he also said Mitrovic has been playing with an injury, but... We're recording this early Friday, I should say, before any press conferences, so uh, <laughs> after this goes out, we'll learn a lot more about who's available for both teams. Uh, I think Mitchovic will play anyway, so go on, Chris.
2: But I was going to say, like, certain facts do suggest that there could be a lot of goals, because looking at the table, Fulham have the equal fourth worst defensive record in the table. Um, and it's only been the fact that they've got really, a really good goals for tally, which has kept them up in that position. So they do leak goals and combine that with the fact that there are some players in that team who will be thinking about one heavy tackle here, one defensive rear guard tackle here puts me out of the biggest international tournament. Mm. So I, yeah, I, I, I think that it's, 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 we always have to consider, you know, the attributes that the opposition have. But I hope it is a competitive, challenging game. But I do, I do think that you know Fulham are conceding a lot of goals for a reason, and 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 I think it would be remiss of this City team to not exploit that.
0: Well, I guess uh, the key question is: Will the silver change the way they play and do a Leicester? I don't think they'll do it to the extent of Leicester. <laughs> uh, no. That was extreme, but they will be a lot more cautious, a lot more guys, and sit back mm-hmm. a lot more. Is pff, quite probable, I would say. Mm. Which again nice could frustrate. Say. And you know, I'm not convinced by that. You know, 90 Howard. minutes,
1: yeah. I'm I'm not convinced by that, Howard. I I, think I, I don't the, know.
0: I'm yeah. You I'm know, just putting it out there. So mm,
1: I, if you look at the way, uh, if you look at the way that they've played so far against top six teams, they've just played the way that they play. They've got a way of playing and that's the way that they play and, and there isn't really an enormous deviation. It's not like when they played Liverpool, they stuck a bunch of players behind the ball. Um, it's not like they didn't attack in numbers. I think that that's... That's, that's at home kind on the
0: opening day though and I still think City are just treated differently because, as I say, we always yeah, we score minimum three every time we play at home. So. Mm, maybe. Maybe. He's got Maybe. to play in his mind that. He doesn't want to concede an early goal. I think at least for half an hour they might play that way anyway because they don't want to go behind early.
1: Yeah. I promise that I won't say I told you so on the review when they just play <laughs> the way that they play.
0: I hope they play the way that they play. So, uh, that would be a better spectacle for everyone. So We will see. Uh, Chris, any hunches about Erling Haaland? He is training. seems that both teams' star strikers are carrying Knox, but do you want him to I really want him to play so he don't have to worry about the world cup but we don't there's no point risking him losing him for Brentford if he's on the edge might as well just wait to Brentford yeah I,
2: I think in many ways City are in an ideal situation is that we've got two what we considered winnable fixtures before the pause in the season um Haaland's not going to the World Cup so he, so he can rest so I think they will I think they will be cautious if Haaland is still showing any signs of the injury which could which could inflame during the game that they won't play him will let him have more rest of course we want to see him because he's that box office you know he's bringing people to the game but if he's not absolutely 100% don't play him you know and if he's not 100% for Brentford don't play him because those games are winnable without him in there. He would increase the, you know, the probability of us winning the games. But we're in a position where we can afford to not play him and also feel confident about winning those, those two games and then let him have that rest. But of course, I'd still like to see him, especially against Brentford, because it's the last game before the pause of the season. Uh, but if he's not absolutely 100% and, and there's any element of risk involved, you know, keep him on the bench or don't play him at all.
0: Hey, Sam, two questions for you. If he doesn't play, Do you think Alvarez starts or we return to the false nine? it's three questions. Do you think Pep wants to be rid of the false nine from now on? Third question. (laughs) Just the three. What sort of team do you think will line up? See,
1: three easy questions for you. (laughs) It's a good thing that I'm... uh, It's a good thing that I... I live rent-free inside Guardiola's head. Um, so <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't playing the false nine. He'll play Alvarez again. I think that yeah. he w- he will have been um, heartened by the second-half performance hmm. of Alvarez. I personally hope that the second-half performance was instructive to Guardiola about how to get the best out of Alvarez when Haaland isn't available. Because the key yeah. thing for me is – tactically, just dropping him into the position that Erling Haaland plays and saying, we're going to play exactly the same way, Julian, figure it out. It hasn't worked. I feel as though second half, he makes the tweaks to get the best out of Alvarez, to get bodies around him, and it really works. So if it is Alvarez, then I'd expect to see a performance, a tactical setup very similar to the second half um in terms of what kind of team he picks so i imagine we'll see stones i imagine mm. we'll see Diaz and Ake, cancello at left back rodri kdb bernardo foden Grealish. Haaland, or, yeah. uh, yeah, or yeah yeah or good. Alvarez that's that's the team that I would expect him to pick
0: yeah I think Grealish,
1: unless he's still showing fatigue
0: I think that you know taking him off at half time Chris is that that a sign that he was wanting him to rest before he plays in this game
2: yeah, I I guess with Mara,
0: sorry out of form we don't have that many options to
2: no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, for example, Palmer would get a start on this one. I think you know they they had their playing time in the week. Yeah, I I, I anticipate that front six the same as Asan. Backline, I'm 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 just less. You know, I think Laporte has been showing really well. Um, I think Diaz has been okay. Uh, yeah, and it could be that that the Ake. Yeah, Aki plays instead of a kanji. I, I just I, I just want Cantelo to play on the left and not switch over to the right. Yeah, I um think will. and yeah. And, and 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 if when if Stokes is playing right back and then he inverts and come inside, then we wouldn't have that overlapping possibility. Um but uh, yeah, I I think because we've we've now got the luxury of having so many good um fit centre halves the 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 di- well the challenge for Guardiola is to rotate enough to keep consistency to, to make sure everyone stays fit and gets game time as well.
0: You know, we talked earlier about the little relationships between players and trying to find a balance. Do you have any issue with Cancelo as a yeah you not know, well, being a natural left footer being on the same side as Grealish? Because obviously we no. know Grealish would love to have someone overlapping him.
2: Yeah, but I've, but I also I've seen I've, I've also seen Cancelo plenty of times take the ball to the byline as well and, and yeah. whip it in with his left foot. He, I think he can do both, so I, I just think he's much more uh, effective on that left hand side, um, and and I wouldn't sacrifice the impact. You know, he 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 can be very direct. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think him not being a, an actual left footer doesn't negate the fact that he can still overlap. Should, should, should he be required to do? We've seen him do it before. I just don't want him to move across to the right hand side because he doesn't have the same impact on the game as he does if he's on the left. Yeah, and we mm. I think yeah. the
1: other I think the other thing with with the left hand side and Grealish and Cancelo is that you know I, I think that individually they're both incredibly talented footballers, and my expectations moving forward are that they just figure it out i know that that sounds a bit yes, exactly in <laughs> no a way, you're right it's absolutely but, right but it's yeah. really just it's really just a case of figuring it out like Grealish has got to or he, he is doing he's showing much more um what i would consider to be he's playing much more proactive football and what i mean by that is he is Picking his head up, trying to be a man, he is drifting from the touchline more in field. He is less afraid to leave his station to try and impact the, the the game, and I think that's fantastic. And then, I think that in terms of him and Cancelo and link up, it's it's almost it's not about like so for. I had, this, uh, I, I had this rant when we, when we did the Mahrez-Cole Palmer thing after the game in midweek that, you know, the, for me, the understanding between, between the two players should very much be about how do we get the better of these three defenders or four defenders that are stood around us. And to do that, we will have to play together. And that just means that be aware of the space so Grealish be yeah. aware of where Cancelo is Cancelo be aware of where Grealish is and take up a position that helps you mate you don't it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like you, it's not like you don't have to carve a team open you by simply creating space for each other you will help to create chances and you will push their backline back um and I, I really think they can do it I'm I'm Far less concerned now about Grealish than I was six weeks ago.
2: I think um, it's. I think it's a really good point, Aysan, Because we've talked about this before. That, that the one of the most important elements of the way Guardiola plays is about space and the use of space and that and the and the transition from attacking to defence and, and back again. I, I can't say this for certain, but I assume even though Guardiola always looks relatively manic on the sidelines, I, I, I'm sure he's not micromanaging as much as we anticipate. I think what he's doing, though, is giving very, very comprehensive instructions. And that's why whenever players like Grudish get criticised, I always say to people, he'll be doing what Guardiola's told him to do. And, and currently, um, as you've alluded to there, Isan, I think Grudish is told two things. One, keep possession of the ball. And two, create space for your teammates. Mm. So when he keeps when he gets the ball and then moves into the box, he's taking at least two players with him. So he's keeping all the possession of the ball. He's also creating space. Now, obviously, the risk of that is you can you can be di- um, dispossessed. That's always the risk, and it's always a disappointment when that happens. But he's still doing. He's still fulfilling the instruction that Guardiola has given him. And you're right, Asan. They are good enough players to say, "Here's your instructions. What I want from you. Now you go and work it out on the pitch. Just stick to the boundaries that I've given you." And if and if when 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 Grealish does that, he takes two or three players with him, and suddenly leaves space on the flank and space and and, and and space right on the edge of the box as well. So yeah, I think that I think that he and Kinsella can work it out between themselves. Yeah.
0: Right. I guess what's left is a score prediction for this game. Then, uh, Asa.
2: Um, I feel
1: like it's going to be a high-scoring game. Weirdly enough. Mm. Kind of got the sense it might end up being like four two, something like that, something mad like that. <laughs> Chris?
2: Nine nil, no. I think <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> not arrogant, just oh, disrespectful
0: score, yeah,
2: yeah. Not arrogant, just deluded. Um I I'm gonna go three-nil. I I I I think that 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 we will score more than one, definitely. Uh <laughs> And and I think we'll control the game enough to, to 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 prevent Mitrovic from really applying. So I'm going to say 3-0. Yeah,
0: I think when I spoke to him, I went for 3-1, so I think. So I'll stick with that. Uh, yeah, just final question really uh, for either of you is ultimately the important thing is six points over the next two games. Do you think an erratic Chelsea can get a result home to Arsenal on Sunday? Because there is an opportunity here for City to go to the World Cup top of the table
2: Uh, I think um, Arsenal are in good form and Arsenal have momentum I think that I understand what Aisane says about when we come back the the, 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 the second half of the season is ignited that if you've got a really good advantage it, it, it feels even like it's got even more currency than normal but Arsenal have a momentum and a belief at the minute They've navigated, you know, bar a few mishaps, they've navigated a lot of obstacles. Um, and the fact that er- Chelsea are erratic, I still think that Potter's very much still trying to work out what their identity is and trying to trying to put the, you know... I think he's still putting square pegs in round holes at the minute. Um, but I would actually... If I was going to put money on it, I would put money on an Arsenal victory with that, sadly. Mm-hmm. I just think they're on a really really good run of form. And I think Arteta will not be happy about the World Cup punctuating that, that, that momentum.
0: Hey, Sam, your thoughts? It's got a um, draw written all over it for me. But
1: yeah, I, I mean... Hard to predict so, a draw, though, so... I, I don't want to... Uh, uh, I think Arsenal are really good... I think people are a little bit, nobody really believes that Arsenal are the real deal. I believe they're the real deal. So I expect Arsenal to, at bare minimum, get a point out of that game, if not win it. Uh, I think it helps the fact that Chelsea just aren't in great form. Uh, So yeah. And then the other one is uh, Liverpool-Spurs, which is also on Sunday, I believe. Mm, Um, Super Sunday. Yeah. With that one, uh, Spurs are at home. I think Liverpool will get beat, you know, and the only reason I say that is because I think the way that Liverpool play, it just, it suits Spurs. Like, you know, the, the really good Liverpool teams uh, were caused a problem by Spurs because they're so dangerous on the counter attack. Um, And I just think, sunday where the 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 spurs home crowd they won't expect spurs to dominate the ball it's not the kind of game where if they don't have the ball the crowd are going to get unhappy or edgy they're going to expect liverpool to have the ball and they're going to expect to be a threat on the break and that's that's probably more of a game that i can see landing in a draw you know i can see that being a score draw uh but yeah like i i'm i'm almost at the stage now where I've made peace with the fact that Arsenal are our title challengers, and therefore, what I'd like is for all the the teams below, I'd like them to cut each other's throats and be not just not be part of the the title conversation at all. And then, because I think that post World Cup in a straight race between City and Arsenal, I think City end up winning it mm. by twenty points, apparently. So <laughs> it's fine. Uh- yeah, oh, nonsense. <laughs> right? Did you see? Uh, di- I'm I'm gonna am t- gonna take you down. a uh, sorry, Chris. If you need to run, you should run. gonna mention right. Channel Four. Are you? No, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down a mad rabbit hole. So yesterday, I saw an exchange between Tarek Panja and Barney Rone. Right, and they were chatting about uh, Tarek's done a piece on uh, how shocking it is that uh, the Qatari tourist board are paying influencers to go to Qatar and say nice things about qatar and i do, and i wonder whether barney had like his own the the book that he wrote when he went to uh when he went to the world cup in russia where he called putin a lovely man um, yeah i wonder whether barney had that in the back of his head because he basically said to Tarek, we've got some colleagues that will probably take that up and i was like wow that's you know uh Unnaturally honest, as well as he
0: just discovered influencers, <laughs> like, in it. you
1: know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think nearer to the World Cup, we need to have uh, a podcast on the wider picture of that
1: because I've got a lot to say about uh, stuff. What, like about that. the about just the blows the your world. mind
0: sometimes the, the angles people come out with. So,
1: yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's a podcast that I'll be able to take part in. I think that if I was honest about what I've seen and what I've read, um, it would uh, it would upset far too many people <laughs> think that is, I'll uh, win you around. Uh,
2: that's a, yeah, sure that's, that's the reason why you should do it. Yeah. yeah I'm not we'll sure, get the bleeper know. machine out. It's all right. Like, no, cause there's a,
1: there's a, there's an underlying, there's an underlying truth, um, which won't sit comfortably with anybody. Not, not a single part of our audience will be, will be comfortable with, with the underlying truth. Um, it might be there. the same. I'm going to ask you what it is off air. Okay.
0: I think it might be the similar thing. Well, maybe I've got that completely wrong. Well, let's so wrap, that, wrap this podcast a, up and then we can discuss it. I think it. A truth that no one... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm well up for it. They the World Cup, so... Uh, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Hey, uh, thanks very much for coming on.
1: Really pleasure. I that. love that. I love the Friday show. I yeah. love you, Howard. I love you too, Chris.
0: <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'm well enough, eh? <laughs> Chris,
1: yeah, thanks very much for coming on.
2: Pleasure as always. Thanks, gents.
0: And that bullying diary, did it stay shut?
2: <laughs> well, it had done, but because you've mentioned it, you've taken me back a few steps now, so it's going in. I think not mention Peter
0: Walton. Oh, damn. <laughs> done it. Oh, Howard,
2: you've done oh, it. You've damn. done it, mate. You've done it's it. So
0: close to the end. Well, <laughs> thanks for, Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, right, that's a wrap. We're off to watch Jürgen Klopp attack a journalist after he dared ask him what his favourite colour was. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Take care, stay safe, and as always, a son Up the blues.